All right, so, you know, we're talking a little about this time frame, kind of a little in the time frame right now, right? Jesus was born just a few days ago, according to tradition, and now we're moving into this time frame of after his birth. And after his birth, at eight days, he was circumcised, and and then moving on from there, at 40 days, something very significant happens. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Let's set up the scene. We're looking in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22, if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, or you can follow along with the screen as well. Luke 2, starting with verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Bethlehem is five miles away from Jerusalem. I remember the very first time that I, I drove, the only time, I drove up from that place. And it's ascending to the, this high mount where, where Jerusalem is. And it's so glorious, so glorious to see. And that's uh, where, where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And now uh, he was circumcised. And now at 40 days, this is taking place. Two ceremonies are taking place uh, at 40 days. The first is a ceremonial cleansing of the mother so that she could then participate in the rites and rituals of the Jewish faith. The second is the command of the Lord, and it says here in Exodus 13 to consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. And that's what's taking place right now. Uh, Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to the temple. They're, they're coming, they're close to the temple for this very purpose of accomplishing this age-old, centuries-old command of God to, to offer not as a literal sacrifice, but to offer as a spiritual sacrifice. Thank you, God, for this great gift in our first child, our first male child. And, and so that's what they're about to do. And there are two separate paths that are taking place right now. One between uh, the, the, the family of Jesus and the other is Simeon. And so let's see what, what the scripture says about Simeon. in Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. He was righteous and devout. We're going to see a little while the importance of that, but also uh, that God's promises are, are not founded on how good we are. Aren't you glad about that? How many of you are glad that the promises of God is like, okay, you're good, you're going to get this. Now, that's Santa Claus, right? That's Santa Claus. If you're good, you get a gift. If you're bad, you get coal. That's the way it works. But with Jesus, aren't you glad that it doesn't work like that? Aren't you glad that it's by the grace of God that we are saved by the grace of God that his gifts are poured out? His promises are yes and amen in Christ, not because of how good we are, how religious we are, how many times we attend church or read the Bible, even how nice we are. It's based on the fact that the grace of God, his love, his unmerited favor is applied to the altar of your heart, your life. 
And so we are so thankful for that. Simon is waiting. He's waiting. We don't know how long he was waiting, but we know from the context that he probably waited a long time. How many of you like waiting? Any? Any? Not a single hand went up. (laughs) Nobody likes waiting. Everybody hates waiting. Nobody likes to wait. And at 60, I am slightly impatient to see the things that God has done for me. You kind of think, okay, God, you told me these things uh, like like uh, three decades ago, and I'm still waiting, you know? I'm kind of, kind of seeing these promises of yours, and just wondering, where are they? Anybody? Anybody? You know, you kind of wonder, what is going on here? And you're waiting, and I don't like waiting. And, you know, Jews in general don't like waiting. You know, they've waited a long time. The Jews waited hundreds of years to be set free from slavery. The Jews, those that do not follow Jesus, are still waiting for the Messiah. That's a long time. That's thousands of years waiting, waiting, waiting. I still hate to wait in line. Anybody like to wait in line? Depends on what it is, I guess, right? Waiting can play with your head. It can. You can, you can wait and, and think, you know, what am I doing wrong? Like, am I doing something wrong that this hasn't happened yet? Yes? Yeah, you can. Is it me? Or is it, is it something else? And you try, try to figure out what's going on here. It plays with your head. Did I hear right? You ever think that? Gee, is that, is that really what I'm supposed to be hoping for? Anybody question the promise? Yeah, we do. We question the promise. Or, or maybe your worthiness. Like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough to have that promise from God, that promise that's in Scripture. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough. And it plays with our head. Waiting plays with our head, and we have to wrestle with it. We have to kind of figure out what to do and how to position ourselves to wait in hope like I want to talk about today. Let's wait in hope. Because it is then that we are ready to receive what God has for us. And then in the scripture, it talks about the consolation of Israel. So Simeon wasn't just waiting for anything. He wasn't waiting for a bus. He wasn't waiting for, you know, to eat dinner. He he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Why did Israel need to be consoled? Because... They were waiting, <laughs> right? They were w- waiting enough. If you wait for long enough, you need consolation. You need encouragement, right? But it was beyond that because, you know, uh, in the government, they were under oppression, right? You know, the, the Jews, they were set free out of Egypt, and yet they were placed back into subjection in Rome and at other times in their history as well. And so they were kind of waiting, and they, were, they needed consolation. It's like, when, Lord, when are you going to do something in my, in my life, in our lives? When are you going to set us free? Just like today we could say, when, Lord, are you going to set us free from this virus? When, Lord, can we move forward without fear? When, Lord, can we be together in groups? How many wants to be together in, in groups without masks, huh? Yeah? Or separate it out like we have to be right now. When, Lord, can we do this? And so we need consolation too. We need consolation in this COVID environment. And then verse 26, we can see where it says, it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit 
that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So we have, if we look back, we have, we have this circumstance where, um, where the Holy Family is coming into Jerusalem for this very purpose. To, to do the things that after hundreds of years have been, have been proclaimed, do this. Cleanse yourself. Bring your firstborn into the temple. Offer it to the Lord as an act of worship. And then you have Simon who is waiting. And now we hear this great promise. This great promise. Simon is waiting. And it's the consolation of Israel. And here's the promise. The promise is that the Messiah is going to come and that he's going to see the Messiah. But the promise is only as good as the promiser. Right? And we, we, can, we can grab hold of the promises of God because we have a promiser that does not lie. Right? We have a promiser that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Hebrews 11, it says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He exists. God exists. You are here on this planet at this point without being a whole bunch of dispersed atoms throughout the universe, even that is unbelievable. You know, scientists are struggling right now because they know because there is a beginning and they know that through scientific testing. They know that there is a beginning. They know now they resist it, but there has to be a beginner. You know what they're doing right now to try and make, make that a little different, to try and improve that problem for them? Because if it's just materialism, which is what most scientists uh, have and believe, uh, then that can't happen. There can't be a beginning because there is no beginner. So what they try to do is they have this like multiverse type of thought is that, okay, so this universe happened because this universe happened because this universe happened because this universe happened. What's the problem with that? Eventually, there has to be a universe that started because a beginner made it happen. And there's lots of other reasons why we struggle with that. That was like totally off base. I have no idea why I brought that up to you, but somebody must needed to hear that. There's some great science going on right now that, that proves that there is a beginner. Information is one of those. Is life cannot happen without information, and there is only one way information happens. It only comes from one thing, a mind. A mind, an intelligent mind. It can't just randomly show up. You can't have a tornado go through a junkyard and it creates a Boeing 747. It doesn't happen. It only happens because there is a mind that is shaping and forming and organizing information so that we exist. We exist today because there is a, a brilliant eternal mind that thought us into existence. In beginning, the word became flesh. Amen? Amen. Really off base. I have no idea why we're talking about that. So, we have this great God who is a creator. 
He is awesome, powerful, heals all things together by his word. And he loves us. He is good. You must believe that he exists and he rewards. He is the all-powerful, almighty God, and he rewards us. He is good. Those that come to him are blessed. There is no challenge about that. God is good. Amen. So what was Simon waiting for? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, the promiser is the key. It is because we have this great God who exists and is good that we can know, we can wait. We can wait. We can be assured of these things. And notice that this promise of him that he would see the Messiah before he died was not related to the fact that he was a righteous individual. It was related to the fact that God gave his promise. And so, once again, we have to remember that it is not by what we do that we have the grace of God. It is not by how good we are that we are forgiven by him. It is not by how educated we are, how nice we are, how much we give or, or how much we read or how much we attend. It is because the grace of God. And that's so important when you wait when you're waiting. That's so important because, again, it could play with your mind so much when, when you think, gee, why isn't this happening? What am I doing? What, are, what am I doing wrong that, that this isn't happening? I know this is your promise, God. We don't have to do that because we know that it's based on his promise and not on our works. He who promised is faithful. And then verse 27 in our, in our scripture says that he was moved by the Spirit. Simeon was moved by the Spirit. And he went into the temple courts. Here is this great intersection between the Holy Family and Simeon and this great promise of God. And he is positioned, ready to do what God is leading him to do because he is waiting in hope. There's a really good example in the Bible. Jesus talks about it. It's this uh, uh, parable of the ten virgins. You might have heard it. It's, it's ten virgins are all going to celebrate the, the wedding of the, and waiting for the bridegroom to come. And he's, he's taking a long time to come. A long time. He, they're waiting. They're waiting. And five of them decide to wait and, and just to hold on and to tarry and to, and to be there and to trust that he's going to come when he comes. And they're prepared. They're, they're, they're situated in a way that they could be ready because they have the oil necessary for their lamps that are important for them that would stay lit the whole time. The other five... They didn't have the oil. They ran out and they, they did their own thing. And, and their waiting was very, very different. Who got to experience the coming of the bridegroom? The five that were ready. And so we want to be prepared as Simeon was prepared. He was, he was uh, situated in a way that when God told him, hey, it's time for you to go, go to the temple and experience what I have for you, what I promised for you, maybe decades earlier. And so he went into the temple. He was ready. Here's the first challenge, you guys. We need to be ready. We could, we could either 
wait and not be ready or wait and be ready. Both is a waiting situation. One, we're waiting with our hearts. We're waiting, waiting with uh, an attention to God. The other waiting, it's like, man, this takes a long time. I don't know. And, and, and kind of, you know, your head gets the best of you. You think, well, I don't know. Maybe he's not coming. Maybe this isn't happening. Maybe, maybe this promise isn't for me. And you kind of walk off and, and go do your own thing to try and prove your life. Can I just say, you need to wait. You need to wait for God because he has the most spectacular promises for each one of us. Wait for God as the five virgins who were prepared and experienced that. That means you need to situate yourself. You need to listen every day. You know, it's very easy in in the pandemic to think, okay, I'm going to wait for this to be over. But you can't. You cannot wait for this to be over. You have got to wait as those five virgins waited. You have got to wait as Simeon waited so that when God says, now get into the temple, you are there. That's an important word for you guys today. Those of you that know Christ, be there. Be ready for what God has for you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. We do not see the answer to this pandemic. Have assurance in God. Just fill in the blank because there's so many things. We do not see the answer to our financial need. We do not see the answer to our uh, illness need. We do not see the answer to our relational need. We do not see the answer. But you can trust God. You can trust God. Psalm 135 says this, Wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, his promise, I put my hope. Put your hope in the promises of God. Wait on him. Wait in hope. And you know what the Bible says about the kind of hope when you're waiting for God? Do you guys know what it says? It says hope will not disappoint. The definition of biblical hope is not a hope like, gee, this might happen. It's not a wish. This is a hope that is rooted in the promises of God. And we can wait in that hope. We can wait in that hope. And now uh, verses 27 through 32. Simeon is ready to encounter the incarnation. The Holy Family has come in. Simeon was told he's going to see the consolation. He's not going to die before it happens. Then the Holy Spirit says, now get in there and experience my promise for you. And now he is in the temple. And it says, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Who knows how long Simeon waited? And now he 
was in the temple, and in his arms was his Savior. He felt the weight. He felt the warmth of the baby. He felt Jesus' breath. His heartbeat was in his arms. The promise of God was in his arms. One word used for Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Simeon experienced that. God with us. Can you imagine what that was like? I tell you, the promises of God for each one of us are just like that. And they're all founded in Emmanuel, God with us. These are the promises of God. Reach out your hands and experience the presence of God. For that is God's greatest promise to each one of us. Simeon would have missed this if he had not been prepared, if he had not waited in hope, if he had waited in discouragement, waited in doubt, waited in distraction, waiting to wait for this to be over. He would not have experienced this incredible, incredible revelation of God with us. Waiting in hope. How, how do we wait in hope? Well, the first one is we can find in, in this last verse in our scripture today. It says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. We need to recognize the significance of this great gift, this great promise that has been given to us. It is way beyond what we understand, if you think you understand who Jesus Christ is and his love for you, think again, because you don't. It is the most spectacular, indescribable, glorious love that could possibly ever be offered someone. That is the love of God for each one of us. Marvel, marvel at that. I encourage you while you're waiting, if you want to wait in hope today, marvel at the goodness of the gift that you have been given in Christ. Next, be patient. James 5 says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rain. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Do you believe the Lord's coming is near? Simeon believed it. That's why he was ready. He waited in hope, because he believed in the promises of God. And the promises of God are rooted in the character of God. You can believe that today. And you can have patience because you know the character of God.
Stand firm. The Lord's coming is near. I remember the first time I heard that Jesus was coming back. I had been a Christian not too long, and I thought, wow, what does that mean? It means he loves us. He loves us, and he wants to be with us in a world without COVID. (laughs) And everything else that brings pain, he wants to bring us into that world. And then be taught by grace. The last thing that you could do, position yourself. This is Titus 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is how you wait in hope. You allow grace to teach you this glorious opportunity to to allow this overwhelming love that God wants to pour in our hearts to teach us to focus on the only things that are important in life so that we are prepared, as Simeon was, to be able to walk into the temple and to experience the glory of God like never before. That is the promise. That is the promise. Are you a Simeon today? Because you are. I promise you, you are. Either either Christ is going to come back for all of us in this second coming within our lifetimes? Or he is coming back for you and me as we breathe our last breaths in this world. He's coming back for you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants you to walk out in victory, like that song says. In order to do that, I encourage you, Wait in faith and trust him. Some things you're just willing to wait for because they have such extreme value. This is it. There is nothing of higher value than your relationship with God. Nothing at all. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you just put your hands out like this, like Simeon, into his hands, was placed this insane promise that changed the world forever. And it changes us. The incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. I'm not doing this as just a silly act so that you take an action. I'm, I'm doing this so that you realize that this is just as real to you today as the promise was for Simeon 2,000 years ago. This is real. God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, with his love, with his grace. He wants to forgive your sins so that there's nothing in the way, nothing in the way, and you can walk 
in his presence. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you want to experience what it's like to know the living God and to have all the promises of God be yes for your life, the promises of peace, the promises of of eternal life, the promises of relationship with the living God, the creator of the universe. If you want that, if, if, if you have not experienced that yet and, and you would like to ask Jesus to do that for you, I just want to encourage you. If you're at home, raise your hand. If you're here, raise your hand and say, I want this for my life. Just raise your hand right now. I want to give you that opportunity. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? This is the opportunity to say yes to God. Jesus Christ, your promise is for me. And I didn't even know there was a promise for me. This is it, that I would have forgiveness of sins and and walk in relationship with you forever. Lord, we just pray for those right now that raise their hands. We ask, God, that you would move mightily in their lives. Forgive them their sins, and and as, as you have forgiven our sins, and now restore relationship, Lord. We pray your Holy Spirit would pour into them right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those that that are here that know you, we ask, God, that you would do a mighty work, that they would be able to wait in hope and, and have it be productive. Have it be something that moves them forward. Have it be something that moves them into the temple so that they experience this incredible reality of your promise fulfilled in their lives. Do that today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Before we end, I just want to challenge you. COVID didn't stop the Great Commission. It's like we don't wait for COVID to be over to continue the mission God has given us. And each one of us has a part to play in that, right? I want to encourage you. Position yourself as Simeon did and find out what God is calling you to do regarding living your life as a follower of God in the middle of this. And it's going to look a lot different than the way it was before. You know, if you saw our COVID video, people were giving like air high fives, five feet apart, six feet apart, things like that. So it's going to look different. But guess what? That is a great challenge for us. How are we going to live this out? Don't wait in an unproductive way. Wait in hope, which means wait to listen to God, to the Holy Spirit, to say, do this, do this. Amen? Great. Praise God. Have a wonderful day. God bless you guys at home.